Welcome to the Work Smart Podcast. I'm Philip Hanna. In part one of this two-part podcast series, WorkSmart's Director of Regulation, Julie Pardy, and People Strategy Consultant, Sarah Thwaites, highlighted the need for data to evidence good customer outcomes and explain why project management will be critical to the successful implementation of the new duty. In part two of our consumer duty discussion, Julie and Sarah surmise for you the key findings of the consumer duty webinars the FCA ran in October and November 2022 review how firms can practically achieve alignment between their organisational culture and the objectives of the new duty, before revealing what tech stack and data firms will need to have in place to meet the FCA's obligations. I pick up the conversation by suggesting to Julie that good complaint management should be a real catalyst for consumer duty related change. So let's get to it. Well, at the end of the day, that, that's what the regulators are looking for, aren't they? Their measures, I think, we're going to be looking at reduced numbers of complaints, reduced referrals to FOS, and greater trust in financial services through the Financial Life Survey. So if we say, for example, complaints and complaint handling, if, if we're on that topic, and this might sound really simplistic, but I know it's a, a test some firms have given themselves to try and see where they are in terms of delivering good outcomes to consumers. And that is, okay, so if you've got a client that might be unhappy, how do they complain? So how many clicks, how many phone calls, how many minutes, how many letters, how many emails do I need to send to get somebody to listen to me if I'm not happy? So if I go on to a financial services firm's website, how easy is it to find out how to complain? Is there a phone number? Is there a written address? Is there an email? How do I go through that process? How many clicks? And is it more difficult? And so I think consumer duty is looking at things like that and just getting the firm to test themselves and say, you know, are we making it really difficult for people to engage with us? Yeah. And if we are, actually, if we've got lots of vulnerable customers or the age of our customers tends to be at the higher end of the age bracket, do they really want to engage with a chatbot? Probably not. So are the other communication methods that we offer sufficiently robust and easily accessible that we're not making things harder for them? It's getting the bright minds of the business together in workshops and groups to have these big debates, as I said, department by department, what are the things that we can do and assess and consider that will help within our organisation make the improvements that the regulator's looking for? It's easy. Not, yeah. obviously. <laughs> Another driver in this has been obviously FOS as well and mm. the increase in payments from that. And that's something that the regulator has had to say, you know, they need to look at and, and bring the cost of that down because the industry can't afford to keep paying for that, especially as it's the people that are doing the right thing that end up paying for those that, that weren't doing the right thing. So I think that's another driver behind this too. If you can get this right, hopefully that will reduce those additional costs to firms as well. I did think it was very interesting, the range of webinars that the FCA has done recently and some of what they've been talking about. They refer to them as scattergraphs and how firms should consider the performance of their products. And, and I think this one might be quite a challenge for firms. There was one specific example that they gave was around mortgages and it was around a particular mortgage that a firm might offer where actually it would be relevant to people that may be on a project whereby they're doing some development work in the property, they're doing some real renovation and upgrading, and over a period of time, they might want to draw down as they develop the property. 
And in their particular example, there was this piece around, well, the, the individual is paying extra on the mortgage to have, have this capability. And what a firm needs to do is look back over a period of time and say, OK, if somebody's taken one of these mortgages, pays this monthly annual fee, and then two years down the line, they're not using that facility at all, but they're still paying for it. Has their circumstances changed? You know, should the firm be engaging with them and should they be considering that data to decide? I think this is where it becomes from the, you know, the one size fits all. And then it's very, very difficult. Well, actually, if you're a firm that's got hundreds of thousands of retail consumers, how do you manage the processes so that you can make sure that you, you're delivering the best across the piece? I'd not seen the FCA talk about it in that way before. And I thought that was quite an insight into maybe how they might have conversations with firms. So I think my tip would be if people haven't heard those broadcasts, they can be pulled down on demand and they're by sector. And I think they ran during October or maybe tipped into early November. Um, and you can, you can find them via their website. That looks at data from two points of view. It goes back to your first point about the regulator being data focused and data driven and the data and the MI that internally an organisation could produce. So there is getting your house in order, digging into perhaps data lakes that you've already got and looking at that, scrutinising that. There's also the expectation that the regulator can interrogate data far more effectively than they have done before. So there's a push and a pull, isn't there, that I see? There is, but I think... In my experience, firms often have the data already. The regulator can't get the level of data that you can get within your own organisation. And it's when firms haven't done the analysis of that data and seen what the potential risks are that could be on the horizon. Issues come because the regulator comes in, they've got access to your, your data and they put two and two together <laughs> and come up with those conclusions. It's what you do with that data. And I think that that's something that firms, they've had to do in the past with, you know, complaints analysis, conduct risk analysis, whatever it might be. You need to see what data you've got and what that is telling you so that you can say to the regulator, this is the data we've got and this is what we've done about it. And I think it's, this is what we've done about it is going to be the key going forward. I think that's in many ways, one of the biggest changes with consumer duty, it's, okay, you monitored this, you know what's happening, but what have you actually done about it when you've identified an, in, an issue? Hoping, of course, that you have actually identified that issue in the first place. I mean, well, let's face it, in the wider world, what does every company want? Data. That's what, what everything runs on nowadays. It's a source of huge amounts of income for the firm, what you know about your consumers, your clients, it is key to actually having a successful organisation nowadays. So why wouldn't we be doing that anyway, regardless of consumer duty? As the regulator says, as it said with so many other pieces of regulation in, in previous years, this requires a culture shift within your organisation. And that is including things such as SM and CR, and making sure it's really embedded within the responsibilities of those senior managers. As Julie's already mentioned, you've got the um, duty champion as well and, and the role there for, for the NED. 
but also it's a role that's required of every individual within the firm as well, because different people are going to see different interactions with consumers, be that in marketing, product development, consumer support and services. And so they've all got pieces that they can add to this. And that comes back to having a culture where people feel able to speak up and say, this process isn't working, this is doing harm to consumers, I think this would be a better way of doing it. So unless you've got that open culture where everyone does put consumers at the centre of what they're doing, and we've talked for years about consumer-centric organisations, I'm not sure we've necessarily really achieved that at this stage, but I think ultimately it all does come down to to good governance, accountability, and culture within organisations. That made me think that when you're looking at things that are process related, right at the sharp end with the with the consumer, quite often it's your more junior staff that actually know that processes aren't working. So in terms of having that culture that allows anybody, regardless of seniority, length of service, to be able to stand up and say, actually, in my experience, I'm noticing that I'm constantly getting people saying this, or we're constantly getting calls where this has gone wrong. You know, when I was talking about that disconnect earlier, those people that do the do know on a daily basis where things go wrong for consumers based on how the firm performs. So the project needs to actively engage in some manner with, with, you know, at departmental level to actually get that feedback to be able to sort of write the the things that are affecting, I suppose, the effective implementation of consumer duty. Mm -hmm. Can consumer duty be achieved without a robust tech stack? I think it's almost an impossibility, isn't it? Actually, because going back to Sarah's Sarah's earlier point, you need to know everything across your business about your customers, about your staff, about your interactions, about how things are performing. And actually, if you don't know, you can't fix it. And if you don't know where you are being successful and where things seem to be working well for consumers, then how can you replicate it with other products and services? So I think data becomes key. But we would say that, wouldn't we, being a tech provider? But genuinely, without it, actually, you're going to very much struggle to do it. And actually, the way that you approach the project, the very successful projects that we saw for SMCR were the ones that were sponsored from the top of the organisation, that were collegiate in approach, that took people from across relevant departments working together to actually make a step change through an implementation within a firm. And, you know, when we saw those, they, they delivered very positive business benefits for the firm. Sarah, from your perspective, you obviously had a, an industry-wide view as well with the, with the last regulatory change programme. I think very similar to, to what you, you've been saying. If you keep it as a sort of project, it never really works. It needs to be looking at bringing together and tying together different aspects because there's going to be so many synergies from other areas of work you're doing, but also bringing together different departments because... In my experience, marketing departments, product development departments come together when there's a particular product or whatever it might be. Call centres, they very much work in in isolation. And I think that's why some companies have gone for that internal consumer 
panel consumer board where they can get feedback from those different areas. As you say, and it's important to go right down to those at the, the sort of front end of any um, engagement with clients, because they're the ones that will know that actually that pop-up box doesn't work for anyone and clients are waiting on the phone and the issue is only resolved after three phone calls or whatever it might be. You need to bring that all together if you're going to look at the major pillars of this project, which are, you know, supporting consumers on an ongoing basis, making sure that the products and services are appropriate and working. What is your communication like with consumers? How are you going to test that? And I think there's a lot that can be learned from other sectors and other industries. So as I was saying earlier, I think they've all recognised the importance of data and how it can help improve your business. I think we've got a bit of catching up to do on that. And just, for example, things like ongoing monitoring. I don't know how many of our firms do things such as the first contact the consumer has with you. Is the matter resolved? What's the average time it takes to resolve an issue? But I know if I go on to John Lewis's website and I have a complaint, they'll ask me to complete a feedback questionnaire afterwards and ask those very questions. You know, has it been resolved to my satisfaction? How many times have I had to raise this? How long has it taken to be resolved? So I think the retail market in other sectors are already doing the sorts of things that the FCA is now suggesting in its guidance could be used to help implement consumer duty in our sector. So I think it's worth thinking about those things too. I've never seen a bit of regulation in the Sun or the Daily Mail. Not that I read either of those papers, but <laughs> when you Google search consumer duty, it was up there in lights. I didn't see that with SMCR. I didn't see that with MIFID <laughs> or even ESG regulation. But I did see it with consumer duty. I think the key is it's called consumer, isn't it? And so people like the mail <laughs> and, their, and their finance people are going to focus in on that. And whilst things like SM and CR, you know, talked about accountability and culture and all of those good things. And the, the idea was that it was going to provide a, a better outcomes for consumers. I don't think it was spelt out clearly enough, perhaps, for some of those journalists to, mm. to really pick up on it. Whereas this is so obviously about consumers that it, they're going to see that as the be all. But as you say, I, I think not just consumers, not just the press, but I think MPs as well. It's something their constituents might write to them about. I shouldn't think many of them got letters about SMCR. So <laughs> I think that would have passed them by. <laughs> well, they have to sort it out between that and certain particular people are being in the jungle. Um, so they <laughs> True. They may not have time to focus on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, they always say it's a jungle out there, don't they, when they're yeah. talking about most industries. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Thank you, Julie and Sarah, for your insights, and thank you, the listener, for joining us. If you'd like to know more about how WorkSmart can support you implement the new duty, please reach out to the team at info at worksmart.co.uk. Before you go though, don't forget to check out our blog series on consumer duty that takes you step by step through the work required by firms to meet the four consumer duty outcomes. Check them out at our website, worksmart.co.uk forward slash blogs.